Storymakers. I'm Angie Powers. I'm Elizabeth Stark. And, and this, this is Storymakers Show. And today on Storymakers, we have a listener question. Yes, but first, what are you working on? I'm working on not working on things. <laughs> and I actually mean that that's quite a significant project, actually. Going through and getting rid of the things that are not super mandatory. I think lockdown has made me think, I should be able to do so, so much more than I possibly could do. Because your children never leave the house. Yes. That just really makes everything easier. Yeah, no, and no outside help of any kind. Yeah, why shouldn't you be able to take on more? <laughs> so this week I am working on working less. Awesome. How about you? Well, I did the op-ed project this week, and it was so spectacular, and I... It's really funny because I've heard about it for years. I even I even recommended our our uh, friend and podcast guest Devi to take it like years and years ago, and she took it and she was like, "It's great. You have to do it." And I finally did. It's just I don't know why. It's you know. So you told her to do it. I know she did it, and now you're like one of the dangerous things of being a teacher is that you're sometimes giving people fantastic advice, but nobody's telling you to do it. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, so uh, it was amazing, and um, we seem to be like making a habit now of promoting other people's products <laughs> or whatever. But I really, it's just, it's just, um, it's crucial work. You know what? We're trying to share information with our listeners. No, absolutely. And, so, and the truth is there just is so much in the world and we all need, we need so many different sources of inspiration and our things are all sold out. So, <laughs> um, but I highly recommend it for anybody who, um, well, it's so funny, you know, for anybody whose voice should be in the world, but isn't, <laughs> um, I wanted to say like for anyone who wants to get their voice out into the world, but some of the some of the things that have to be overcome are not always knowing that your voice is missing. Mm -hmm. Missed is missed. Anyway, really powerful. Check it out. Um, Katie Ornstein was the person who led it. She started it, and she was the one who led the workshop. And it was just mind blowing and inspirational, and um, you know, really thrilling. So there you go. So good that in fact I've signed up for it, and so. <laughs> On we go. Yeah. Speaking of not taking on anything new. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So that's, and I am continuing with the submission, but, but I will note for, because I've had people respond to that. Um, you know, listeners respond and let me know. Um, you know, one person said that she did, I think, six in January and was feeling really proud of that. And then like heard that, you know, my like 31 or whatever. And I just want to say that, you know, I'm finding, I'm finding so I did, I started with quantity because, and that's my commitment, quantity, not quality, because sometimes it's just easier to force yourself into a habit than to like be doing everything in a brilliantly nuanced way. And as soon as I start thinking, is this, should I work on this piece more? Should I, where should I send? I mean, as soon as I get in the weeds of nuance, I get really stopped. So I think I have to sort of just keep pushing it out in this way, but I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily saying to everybody that one a day is the recommended, you know, it's not a vitamin, right? And we've actually talked a lot about the value of doing a quantity versus quality approach. So sometimes it's all you can do. It's easier to count than to tell if, how effective you are in some other way. 
All right. So um, I we had a wonderful question come in from the fabulous Lisa. And, hey, uh, Lisa. <laughs> and I am going to read it to our listeners as soon as I clean my lenses. <laughs> yeah, when we started this podcast, neither of us wore glasses. Yes. it's In fact, there might be a causal relationship there between podcasting and eyesight diminishment. I think there is. Probably. Um, okay. So, and I think this has to be our podcast title, episode title, Time Management for Narrators. But that was her phrase. She's wonderfully funny. When and how to speed up or slow down, when to use summary, when to use white space, when to drop in and go through all the steps. Sometimes I get so bogged down. Do I need to turn left, then right, then left again to get there? How can I just leap there? Or did I leap over something important? I'm thinking of Lily King's character in Writers and Lovers who can't even get her main character down the stairs. So that's the question. Mm-hmm. Um, and and what that reminds me right away of, of hearing um, A.S. Byatt mm-hmm. reading, uh, speaking at the City Arts and Lectures at Herbst Theater years ago. And somebody asked her this, this sort of, what do you do? Like, I can't get the character sort of out of the room and doorknobs and all the logistics of that. And she said, just leave them there when you're done with them. Just like move on, leave them, <laughs> leave them standing in the middle of the room with nothing to do. <laughs> not a cocktail party. So this put me in mind of trying to clarify what the question actually is, because there's a couple of different things that I heard in it. And so I just wanted to pull it apart a little bit. One of it, one of the question pieces is pacing. Mm, Absolutely. And one of the question pieces is straight up logistic. How will my reader know that, um, my, character got from one place to another and that they have all the information in the next scene to understand it. And there's also maybe one, well, I'm sure there are many other pieces, but another piece that occurred to me is about what scene is, um, because there is a way in which when you're in the part of the scene that does matter, you're not, of course, focusing on everything, but you are, there is a sense of moving through time and place that has a level of sort of detail and beat by beat that makes it a scene mm-hmm. that might not be. Well, let me just say this and then we'll, and then we'll go back to your two things. So I just sent off a, a manuscript to a couple of readers, a new thing. And then I looked at it, you know, with the fresh eyes that having it in someone else's hand offers you so radically. And I realized that there was a lot of, jumping around mm-hmm. and kind of not that that beat by beat that you need when you land in a scene. And so so I guess what I want to say is as we're going to look at how you like jump when you're done and how you, you know, those those pieces, I think it's important to acknowledge that there is a flow of time that is part of what scene is that does involve showing not everything but key things. Well yeah, and as soon as you started talking about seeing the thing that came up for me was really this idea of intentionality. When we're creating a scene, we're talking about significant detail. Right. And so part of the answer to that question is, is there something significant, right, to getting your character out of the room? Right. And if there isn't, then there's your answer. Right. Now, the other part I heard is how do you know what's significant? Right. And so I think some of that might come with your own subsequent reading 
Right. And again, passing it out to other people <laughs> who are like, hey, I have no idea. Like she went from this, you know, Oscars event to her mother's house and she seems to have no impact from her previous experience. Right. right? That's a so, big thing that actually can happen when you're moving things around a lot. And like, the, like I got to a point with my last project where the linearity, like the sort of the cause and effect linearity from scene to scene got kind of lost because the scenes had been shuffled mm -hmm. so much. And really the character, right? Her movement. Like I had to go back and do a whole pass on kind of taking her from scene And it's to that scene. emotional logic piece. Like mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense that someone would have a devastating scene and then show up somewhere else with no, like approaching it as though they had just come from a fast food restaurant, right. which might be devastating. <laughs> like, oh crap, I have to eat here. But one of the things that I think, you know, as you're talking about this question about pacing, you're really talking about what, what, what can I know ahead of time about my reader's experience and how yeah. do I know for myself what's important to share? Right. So let's so let's let's note and then move on from there the fact that um, some of this will happen in the writing and some of this will happen in the editing mm -hmm. and sometimes you have to write many different details and then later find out why they're significant mm -hmm. and sometimes um, reordering things and all of that. So, but now so some of the some of what we talk about is about editing, right? right? But let's talk talk about kind of. When you get to the end of what matters in a scene, mm -hmm. and then what happens next? So, like one of the things you assign your your students is a step list or a scene list. So they write a they write down this is what happens in the scene, and this is why it has to be there. Right. And hopefully that would give them, as they look at their list, a sense of like, okay, that's happened, and so the scene is over. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so then what? Right. Well, I guess the other thing we talk about is um, when we go back and look at that, you know, I often encourage people to approach that exercise in the same curious way you might do a free write. Right. Very few people actually can do that, but <laughs> that's how I encourage people to do it is, is with the same way you might do just, you know, a vomit draft, but let's do it in a shortened way. I was thinking this is tangential, but very related to what you're saying. Cause I was, I was reading, um, so I was reading Josh Spector's notes on Seth Godin's new book, the creative practice or the practice, I think it's called mm -hmm. the practice shipping creative something. Anyway, I'm really, I'm excited about it. I just don't remember the exact title, but it will be in the show notes. And one of the things he quotes Godin as saying is, um, this is how it works. Like there's a bad idea and then there's a better idea. So if you say you don't have any ideas, let me see your bad ideas. Mm -hmm. And I thought like, oh, that's, and, and what popped into mind was your kind of repeatedly encouraging people to like brainstorm and play and throw things down mm -hmm. because, and, and in a way, and to like get it, get it wrong, but get it down. And then that will spark the next thing that's better. Right. Like it's sometimes easier to spot what, whatever it is. But what it's not, mm -hmm. right? It's easier to see, like, no, that's not what I want to say about the world. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I yeah. think that coming back to our question, yeah. when you're doing something at the outline level and you're like, okay, sh this person has to get from one place to another, or my reader has to get from one place to another, like, there are a lot of different things. And so 
the question included like summary and this idea of summary, but I think the other piece is transition. How mm-hmm. do we move between our scenes in a way that, uh, orients our reader sufficiently? Yeah. So, um, I have a couple of things that are popping to mind and I think it's partly cause we're, I'm like seesawing between transition and scene, like what needs to be included mm-hmm. and then how to get from one to one. So let me just say one thing about what needs to be included because I'm thinking about the phrase time management for narrators. And I'm thinking, well, how do we manage time as human beings, right? And we do, we have to-do lists, we have calendars, Mm -hmm. and we don't put on our to-do list usually sort of either mundane things or things we're just going to do anyway. Like like probably nobody puts on their to-do list, make coffee. Or go to the bathroom. Because nobody's going to forget those things. You're just not going to be like, what was I going to do up just for, oh, I didn't have coffee today because I forgot to make it, right? Like that's just not going to happen. I will say that I am a person who sometimes does put really mundane things on my to-do list if I start to feel a little confused (laughs) about the order of events. But um, so so in a way you have your scenes, your scenes are the, the things that like, that are not rote and ordinary and, you know, sort of significant, significant. So then, okay. So then we like, this thing happens and it ends here. And now some rote ordinary things are going to happen. We don't need to include them. And we're moving to the next thing that matters. Transition. What are your thoughts on transition? I think the whole purpose of a transition is to facilitate your reader's experience from one moment to another. And uh, it could be the, the moment between a scene and a, a summary. could be a moment between two scenes. Um, but the whole idea is that we actually have these intentional things. I think people overlook transition so much. I think uh, screenplays think about it more, mm-hmm. in part because... It is so evident when you have not made a a successful transition. So if you're editing something, right, and you're going through and you're making a short film, beautiful, beautiful things are transitions where the audio from the next scene shows up in the previous scene, right? Mm -hmm. So you start getting this thing and your viewer is like, what's that? What's going on? So they've, they're, cued. Now is time to start thinking about what's next. Here's a question. And I think as, as writers of prose, we often just jump to the next thing mm-hmm. or we, we don't often think like, what, what is the tool we have in transition? What are the ways in which we can say, besides just like later comma, um, you know, and let me just take a minute to say, those very basic things, which also happen in a screenplay, are really mm. important too and yes. very helpful, surprisingly helpful. Sometimes people are sort of like doing anything not to just say like three hours later. And sometimes mm. those little markers can be incredibly helpful in making those big jumps, right? Yes. Three hours later. But the other thing you're talking about, I think, relates to a really interesting character point, which is that characters are always expecting something. And they come into a scene expecting something, and then because it's a story, what hap- what they expect is not going to be what happens Mm -hmm. or it's not going to mean what they thought it was going to mean. And then they're going to leave the scene with a new and different expectation or whatever, but they're going to leave the scene with an expectation. Mm -hmm. And that a little bit, I think it's a character line, but I think it could help set up the kind of thing you're talking about where you're like, like bringing the sound in, you know, underneath the old scene, right? Like, like, okay, the character's thinking, I need to go do this 
or, you know, like this is what's coming. And that might help make the, the jump to what else matters. Right. 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 So I think you can think about those tools. I think, um, can I just say one more thing about that? Like, I'm just thinking on a, again, on a logistical level, like, like yesterday we had to go grocery shopping and we just knew we had to go, we kept saying we have to go grocery shopping, we have to go grocery shopping. And then finally I went grocery shopping, but we didn't say like, we have to gather our bags. We have to get in the car. We have to make sure we have the key. We have to get in the car. We have to drive. We have to park. We have to put the mask on. We have to go get a cart, right? Like we, like, so when we say like, we have to go do this, mm-hmm. we, we do know how to do this narratively. And as storytellers, I think we usually know how to do it. And the better storyteller we are, the better we are at skipping to the important parts, right? We all know. I think it's really hard when you're writing though, as a prose thing, um, there's an artificiality of the difference between having a conversation with your friend and writing something on the page. I, so. I think, though, in some ways, it, what might get us in trouble is that we're trying to create this verisimilitude of this character, and we're trying to get to know the character as we write them out. Mm-hmm. And so we're so in the process of getting to know, we're kind of doing all the mundane stuff with them. Like so, it's like it's like let's say that let's say someone's writing an article about me, and they were going to be with me all day yesterday in a world where they could be. <laughs> and so they were going to watch me do all the mundane stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And so if they if that's like what a writer is, right? A writer is like is like that person who's going to write a profile of you, but then but you're creating the character. So do you know what I mean? So the person who who's like this imagined journalist who's following me around gathering up bags and finding the car key, making sure I have a mask, in their final article like they're only going to write about what's relevant for mm-hmm. that. I was actually thinking about, uh, just because you were talking about shopping, I thought about that scene in Fried Green Tomatoes when Kathy Bates uh, gets cut off by you know these young women in their car. She's been driving around looking for parking. And um, you know it doesn't matter what happens when she's in the store. It doesn't matter what happens on her way to the store. It doesn't matter what happens. We don't see the conversation with her husband about needing to go shopping. She doesn't even wear a mask. She doesn't even wear a mask. (laughs) But what we do see is that moment when she changes. So she has been letting the world kind of run her over. Right. And And we see that too. We see, we see her. Yes. Getting, getting, Kind of failing to get a place, failing to get a place. Right. And we also, I mean, so we've seen this character and she's, she's having a moment where she like then hammers their car with her car and they're like, what the hell? And you know, and and I don't even remember the line, but it was so wonderful because it was, you know, um, face it ladies. Oh, I think they called her old and whatever. And she was like, eventually like face it ladies. I'm older and I have more insurance. (laughs) And then she drives away. And so it's like. There are ways that what's important in that scene is not what she's thinking on the way home after having done that. What's happened, you know, I think the very next scene is actually later when her husband's like comes home from work. So we haven't seen everything else. I, I think I'm I think I'm onto something, though, as you talk about this, which is. And what, so one of the things you really encourage, you encourage me and other people to do is like really do character work, right? Before mm-hmm. you go in, like really do character work. And what I think happens, and I don't think there's anything wrong with doing character work any way you want. If you want to outline your book by writing 300 pages and figuring it out and writing mm-hmm. 300 pages again, if you, you know, it doesn't matter, right? We're not at a, a, a war to prove that like an outline is the best way or anything. Right. But um, if, 
but if you don't do the character work, the deep character work in some other way, and you're doing the character work simultaneously with writing the draft and figuring out the story, mm-hmm. um, or even if you know the story and you're just doing the character work, you know, of figuring out who the character is, you're gonna, you're, it's going to be harder for you to know where the scene ends because mm. there's, because you're getting all this information about the character. Right. You know, and again, like I just, I think it's kind of might be helpful to think about, you know, you're a profile writer for the New Yorker and you're with your character and you're going to spend a week with your character, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to do different mundane things with them. And in con- and then process, you're going to get to know all sorts of things about them. But when you go to write the article, you know, you're not going to write the scene where they gather the bags because it just is irrelevant, but you've, you've experienced it. So you kind of know something about them and their values and their whatever. Maybe you're going to include it if it, if it ends up being relevant to what you're trying to say. Mm-hmm. But it, I think by separating the process of getting to know your character from the process of writing your actual story, you get, you, it would be much easier to be like this this part of the scene is irrelevant to the story, but maybe fascinating to me as someone who's getting to know and love this character. So this point goes to significance. Mm-hmm. How do we know what's significant? And the answer is, what are the obstacles and successes that your, your character needs to go through? Because the truth is, we don't. the reason we don't need to see them walk to the door is that unless that door is super important to their particular growth or failure to grow, there's really no reason for us to see it. Everything, again, comes back down to this piece. So first draft, you're exploring, you're learning, you're doing the character development, you're trying to figure out your story. Second draft, you're, you're sharpening and you're saying, who is it, like, deeply, what do these scenes actually apply to this character? Well, and the other thing, and I'm really, I'm kind of, like, having a little aha moments, partly because I'm, you know, in this early process with mm-hmm. this book, is, so I wrote this, you know, I wrote this draft, and I always love it when I read it, because I, because I have these different characters, and I think I've, like, mined something about them that I find really fascinating, and so therefore it feels like I should include it and all of that. But then I think as we're talking, I realize once you know the things about the character, once you know a character really well, and you can do this by picturing somebody you know really well, like your mother, mm-hmm. doing anything, their mm-hmm. character is going to come through so strongly. So you won't need like a huge amount of flashback to establish who they are. Mm-hmm. Like you can just show them chopping a carrot and like you will know so much about them, right? Like like your mom chopping a carrot. It's like she has her drawer that has the knives in it with, and they're each in their slot and everything. It's so organized in my right? parents' it's house. So, and she has the, a pile of um, cutting boards that are all clean and on the clean counter and she'll pick us probably a small one to do the carrot, right? And she'll, you know what I mean? Like, so, so, so you see her. They even have a new place. They don't keep it on the counter. They only keep it on the counter when we have like a big get together. Right. They have a place for when there's not a need to do a production. So <laughs> right. they don't sit out there. But right. anyway, exactly So, the point. you know, and then, and then my mom, my guess would be, I mean, it's been a while since I've been in her house, but my guess would just because of the pandemic, but my guess would be like her, her chopping board is probably in the dishwasher Probably clean, you know, because she just because it ran through last night, right? And but she's probably not in a system. This is my guess. I could be wrong. She's listening. She can correct me. Love you, Wendy. <laughs> but um, you know, she's not like like your mom is going to empty her dishwasher 
Right. And then my mom, and we've had this conversation, so it's okay to talk about cleans as she cooks. Right. So that by the time she's done making food, there are very few things for her to do. I, (laughs) this is not genetic, (laughs) spiral out of control and put things everywhere as I'm cooking. But your point is actually not about what our parents right. do. But the, but the point is that the whole their whole character is in whatever the thing is that matters. Mm-hmm. And so once you really know your characters, you can write the scene and you can and you can let go of the character exploration work and just do the scene realization, which will incor- include right. the characters. And I actually want to say this is putting me in one in mind of one more thing. We recently had a, a sort of writer's retreat day for book in a year. And one of our students was sort of doing work on a character. And as that character became more and more vivid, um, she was thinking, oh gosh, now I have to add this whole other storyline. And the truth was she didn't. The the idea to have that level of knowledge actually is not that you now have to have another character who takes up a huge amount of space, Mm. but that you have a character who is fleshed out And, you know, and I said to her, you know, the truth is if you want to bring that character in and have her have an arc, you only need three scenes for an arc, right? And so we sort of talked about it, but knowing your character does not mean they have to have a full, you know, POV um, representation in the book at all. On the contrary, like, I feel like I'm actually having this like huge epiphany because, you know, you know, I've talked about people who write and throw away drafts and, um, and there's a way in which I sort of admire that, but I also feel like I love my sentences and I love my discoveries. And it's really hard for me to imagine throwing away a draft, even though Lord knows I've thrown away like dozens of drafts Mm. of each project. And I have written many more books than published. Um, And, and so I just, I'm just like, oh, but now I get it because basically what you do in your drafts is you create a character. And so now like, and then you create the story. And so then if you, if you start all over again, you're basically, you're like there with like, you know, Isabella Rossellini and Rita Moreno and, a scene where one person has to, you know, um, insult another person or whatever, right? And that's what you know. And once you know that and you've got Isabella Rossellini and Rita Moreno, like you don't, you've done so much work. Do you know mm. what I mean? You can reshoot that scene. Yes. So, yeah. So I don't know that, I don't know that we've helped that much. <laughs> well, let's recap really yeah. quickly because I do think we've, we've addressed a few things. Yeah. One, there's, uh, what is your reader need to know to participate in the movements of your character's day. And, and we came upon this idea, uh, or we explored this idea of significance mm-hmm. and how it relates to your character. So you don't need to show things that don't challenge or, um, you know, illustrate your character's uh, successes or obstacles. You right. don't need to include things like that. Right. Because they will show up in the scenes. Because they will show up. Well, well, you don't need to include... Yeah, I mean, let me step back. Because okay. what I think of this person's question of being is being like, do I have to... You know, if, how do people know that they got from the toilet to <laughs> their car? Right, right, right. So, so we talked about what's significant, how does it relate to your character? We talked about transitions. Thinking about 
that way that you sort of grease your reader's attention so that they can easily slide from one thing to another um, without having to... Most people don't stop and wonder at this point. Most people don't but have That's a one thing I was saying to my students is that we are so expert at the jump cut, like because, mm. we, because we're watching this happen on TV all the time. So we're not thinking like, wait a minute. I mean, I think, you know... Even film, older films did more transition work, mm-hmm. but you know, like with even the little turnaround tricks, right? The image going, we're moving to another place. You know what I mean? The thing where it flips, sort of, or, what or you're like doing fades. Right now is giving me Beyonce's yeah. or hands. like fades in. Anyway, I think now we just we are not like wait they were in an office building and now they're in a street in Paris. Like how could that be? Right? We don't we don't ask those. Although the call my agent does have a lot of elevator scenes. But anyway, but things happen. All right, you're doing some, but you're some, yes. So again, just yeah. to say though, things happen in that. Well, and that's one thing you could do is you can use your transitions if mm. you if if you are going to have them. Like they should not just be helping people get from point A to point B. They should right. also be. So then the question the about story. summary. You know, we've talked about what's unique about a moment. The reason you show a scene is because it has a significant detail. You can definitely. Use summary to push stories forward. There's lots of great ways to do that. Um, but scene is that moment when you really want to draw your reader's attention to something and and to slow them down. Otherwise, you are. You want to, you know, summary is a great way, if, especially uh, if you have that storyteller voice, which I think this particular questioner has, like that <laughs> wonderful. So... That's sort of what I'm seeing so far is that we're really talking about significant, significant detail, significant action, significant moment, transition to help your reader and character work. So how you decide something is significant is by really knowing and understanding the character um, that you want to put through the story. Well, and I think just looking at that intersection of this is needed for the story and it's accurate to the character and those are the moments that are going to be seen and if it's just developing the character trust the scenes to do that when you know the character that well all right so we're going long right now so let's do steal Steal this this. amateur poets borrow professional poets steal what have you come across in your wanderings and readings that you would like to take and make your own i can start if you like yes I just read The Danish Girl mm-hmm. by David David Ebershoff, and I am now listening to The 19th Wife, also by David Ebershoff. And he's just, well, let's just, with The Danish Girl, he's just, did I already talk about this? He's no. so amazing with those details that um, paint the world, but also paint what's going on emotionally with the characters. They're just, he does that so exquisitely so that you just... I don't know, you're just immersed in both the physical, geographical, historical world and the world of the characters completely simultaneously. And um, it's just so exquisite and precise. I want to steal that. And I'll just throw out the other thing, which is in The 19th Wife, there's a spe- he does incredible diversity of voices. And, um, and although I definitely have a favorite, which is the sort of contemporary character, just like so good, like just like, oh my gosh, I want... Like, I, he just wields voice so brilliantly. So I want to steal both those things from David Ebershoff. Okay. Well, we've been watching Call My Agent, and uh, I just, I want to dress better. <laughs> That's That was what I sort of took away from that. Um, you know, it's hard to imagine, you know, your clothes are so much of your identity. And it was so interesting looking at, like, the schlubby guy in this show is Parisian schlubby is 
so well put together. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, like I kind of like that's the person I kind of imagine like like even I with- am aesthetically, but he's got these like bright white Adidas that are super cute and like beautiful coats and you know, and it's like, oh, he's the poorly put together one. <laughs> Paris so. style. Yeah, I love it. That's fun. Let's make our house the the height of fashion. Yes. It'll actually be Chenu. Chenu. All right, everybody. Um, hope this helped. Let us know your thoughts and questions and have a great week.